and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and you are listening to episode 95 of the show. Before we dive in today, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make the show possible. Today's show is made possible by Mighty Nest. Mighty Nest is the best way to step into a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. The Mighty Fix is a subscription service that sends members a clean, eco-friendly product each month. Each product the company sends enables members to make simple changes like storing food without plastic or avoiding toxic dryer sheets. By only introducing one change a month, the Mighty Fix makes it easy for people to step into a healthier, greener lifestyle. After a few months, you'll be amazed at how little changes truly add up. Use the link in the show notes to shop Mighty Nest today. All right, friends, we are back with my sister from another mister, Kate Neely. Last week, Kate came on the show to enlighten us on some of the research she has been doing regarding racial diversity in STEM education fields. If you missed part one, go back and listen to that first, or else you're going to be a little lost while you listen today. In that episode, she broke down a lot of things for us, including what exactly STEM is, in case you've never heard of that term before. Today in part two, Kate and I are finishing the discussion on some of her research findings and moving on to talk about the implications they hold. An important part of research is telling people what they're supposed to do with the information given, and that's exactly what I asked Kate to do for those of us who are listening. She's giving us some practical ways that we can be better allies and support diverse learners no matter our positions. I truly loved getting to learn from Kate and believe this continued learning process is what we all need. Keep learning and growing so that we can do better. You're also going to enjoy hearing some of her recommendations and things she's loving right now, and there are no interruptions this week from Michael Scarn, so really, you're going to enjoy this. While you're listening, please don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show. Reviews are always so nice to receive, but it's not just about the words of affirmation for me. They actually help people to find the show because it lets your podcast player know that people like what I'm doing and so they'll advertise it for me. Please help out by leaving a review and also by telling your friends about the show. Share the good news. I would love it if you'd post online that you're listening and tag me or even text the show to friends who you think would be interested. You also want to make sure that you're subscribed so you know when I'm back next week with a brand new episode for you. Next week, I'm going to be discussing a topic that I've wanted to cover for a long time, essential oils. So if you subscribe, you'll be sure to get notified when that's available. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Here is part two of my conversation with Kate. Okay, so the next thing that you kind of looked at was retention, meaning if if kids did enter college looking to go into STEM education, teaching specifically, that sometimes they wouldn't stay in that field. So what was the main cause of retention issues that you found? So I kind of looked at three components of the college factors. One was the academic preparation that they had in K-12, particularly high school. So one question in my survey was, while you're in your STEM major now, were there any classes that you did not have access to in high school that your classmates did? And many described classes that you would assume are pretty typical, um, like AP Chemistry, AP Biology. I think there was one who didn't even have a physics course, didn't have calculus. So those classes that are really important and research has shown the more AP classes you take, the higher retention of a STEM major that there's a direct connection there. So just that immediate disadvantage, uh, even describing like extracurricular STEM clubs or electives in STEM, so those coding classes and things like that. Now it's not just specifically to minority students. Um, That can be a lot of schools, like I'm in a really rural high school now and due to our small numbers and the small number of teachers, 
we also don't have access to a lot of those things, even though that we are a predominantly white school. So this is true of rural and like inner city schools where access to those courses can put students at a disadvantage and then they feel behind their classmates. So another one they described was, and again, this could apply not just to minority students, but many of the students I interviewed work, have to work on top of their education. So part-time job ranging from like 20 to 30 hours a week in order to make ends meet. So that can be really hard. And there were some students who were undocumented. So financial aid was not an option for them. So having to work that on top of a really demanding major Mm -hmm. can make it hard to persist. So Mm -hmm. those students are either changing to a less challenging major at times or possibly dropping out of school because of those. The last one that was described is what's called a stereotype threat or imposter syndrome. So feeling like you don't belong. Um, And you can get those feelings from if a curriculum is not like from diverse perspectives or if you're the only person that looks like you in the room. So and again, that can apply to females as well. But for minority students, there's not a lot of people of color in these majors. So they can feel very isolated and start doubting their own ability and just, again, not feeling like they belong, and that could lead to them leaving it as well. Hmm, okay. Now, do those findings relate to STEM altogether, or was that specifically with STEM education? Because I would imagine, like, I don't know, I guess I'm not trying to, like, make anybody sound dumb here, but I education, like, doing elementary education, to me, doesn't seem like a super demanding major compared to doing something like engineering specifically if you're doing engineering so that then you can teach afterwards so is that it was your research looking at just like all stem types of fields or were you looking specifically at education with that with those questions too so these were actually findings from the students i interviewed so these would be specifically stem majors okay uh there was one i was hoping to also interview education majors and i just didn't have enough surveys completed for that so that would have been a different uh, side of things but these were specifically the findings from those majoring in stem and just some of the barriers they faced and again they're still stem majors when i was interviewing them so they hadn't left the major by any means but they were struggles that they were facing at the time okay so things that could contribute maybe from their thought process of why people aren't right staying in stem okay yeah that makes sense very interesting. Okay, so you kind of did a great job of summarizing like the findings from the surveys and the interviews that you did. So next, let's talk about the implications of this research. So first, from your perspective, why is it important to have diversity in our teachers? Because obviously, like you said, you weren't just looking at any STEM field, but a lot of your research was on STEM education. So looking at people who were going to be educators going into the STEM arena of things. So why is it important to have that diversity in our teachers? So one thing when I talk about my research initially with people that I have them do is just think about how many teachers or STEM teachers that they had who looked like them. Mm -hmm. So particularly for white females, uh, that number is probably pretty high, and even white men as well, that a lot of teachers come to mind who you can think of who are your race or your gender. Uh, And that's just not the case with people of color. So we don't really know how that impacts us. Um, It's kind of one of those things when we're thinking about white privilege or any sort of like structural racism, it's something you would not see 
but there's a lot of advantages to having people who look like you in those roles Mm -hmm. that we take for granted Uh, so they found that like if we have more diverse group of teachers again it doesn't solve everything Um, there's still going to be a lot of structural racism that would need to be fixed in our education system but some of the experiences I described when you have somebody who has a similar background to you we can eliminate some of those and create more understanding so a lot of research that I've looked at is about race congruence so race congruence is when a teacher and a student have the same race and there have been a ton of different studies done on this and the benefits of it. The most clear one would be the academic achievement. So when you have a teacher who looks like you, the scores actually in STEM subjects increase quite a bit. Mm. Um, also just feeling like they can build connections, feeling supported, and feeling like you have a role model. So those mm-hmm. have all been findings of having that race congruence. And I think when we really think about, at least I think about my experience, I do think that those probably contributed to having those teachers who look like me. And not to say that other teachers can't do it and other teachers can't incorporate diversity and anti-racism into their teaching, but it just helps to have a more diverse group. And I think it helps other students too, because if we can surround them with teachers that basically look like the world they're gonna enter when they leave, it Mm -hmm. gives them a more whole picture of the world and people who are different than them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Now, what about what implications does this have for the education field? Like, what are, I know you're working on your writing right now, but what are going to be your recommendations for whether it's teachers or our government and, like, initiatives in education? Like, what's kind of going to be your recommendation coming away from what you've found? I think there's a lot of things that can be done. One thing when seeing all the racism, again, microaggression sort of things that students experienced, is more anti-racism training of teachers because if we're dealing with what we have right now, it's a very white populated profession. So Mm -hmm. there needs to be more diversity training Mm -hmm. and anti-racism is a, a kind of new word that's out in education and other areas as well of just really getting a better understanding. I know there's probably some teachers I work with who believe in like a colorblind policy where they claim to not see color mm-hmm. and that's just not how we should be treating people. We should embrace people's differences um, but be knowledgeable of them. Again like touching a student of color's hair like that's not acceptable and mm-hmm. if we have more training I think we can make students who are different feel more comfortable. Um, And the school I'm at right now is, like I said, rural and very white, but I think that we're not just talking about Chicago public schools or schools that are very racially diverse or have a lot of racial minorities, but schools even like the one I'm at now, there might be only a handful of students of color in each grade, but there's even more ignorance there. And Mm -hmm. again, it's not intentional racism, but like all those students feel very alone and that people don't understand. So I think that's one way to handle it right now is making sure that we do that training with teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. Teachers already have a lot of training, so it's hard to Mm -hmm. when so much gets thrust on them. But I think that's one small thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a bigger scale that I, I don't totally know how to tackle, but like the funding in schools. So making sure that those kids who didn't have a physics course allowed to them to have equity in access to classes, Mm -hmm. um, AP, STEM, electives, Mm -hmm. creating programs like, there's one um, that I've learned a lot about, or learned recently about, and I wanna expand more, but like Black Girls Who Code. It's a program after school 
that a lot of schools offer to encourage, again, that intersectionality of black women into coding, which is a computer science area. So those would be, to me, the K-12 steps, Mm -hmm. but I think it's bigger than that. I think that we need to have support systems in college, and a lot of colleges do, uh, but to make sure that we improve those numbers of students of color in STEM, so really looking at what they offer and what is needed to help support them so Mm -hmm. that they can... Maybe you have a decent number entering, but how many do you have finishing and graduating with that? Mm -hmm. And then um, there are also, we haven't really covered this and it's not my main part of research, but there's also research out there that those who finish STEM or STEM education who are minority, they feel then very alone in their professions. So Mm -hmm. also being Mm -hmm. aware that it's not just education, that whatever field you're in, creating an inclusive environment uh, with again, understanding and kind of that anti-racism concepts so that we can all work together and make sure that we have a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And that was actually what I was going to ask you next is this type of research and this conversation obviously is a lot bigger than like what we're breaking it down to be. And so what kind of implications would you say this has for those other career areas? Like if there's someone listening who is maybe works in the STEM field but not with teaching like maybe they're an engineer at Boeing or whatever it is like what would you uh what do you think your research could teach that person or what would be like your recommendations for someone in that kind of role whether they're a minority or in the majority population I think the importance and Again, my focus has been on what happens if we have a diverse group of teachers, but I know there's a lot of research out there too that having diverse people in your company and your program, on your team, that that benefits everyone ultimately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess if you're any part of a hiring process um, or anything like that, that you take that into account. And again, kind of that colorblind policy, like instead of ignoring race, like realizing the benefits that somebody different, whether that's race or gender, just anyone different than you, that they bring something else to the table that you don't even maybe know or understand, just a different way of looking at things that can benefit you ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just even if you're not in STEM, some things you can think about is just listening to people of color and their experiences. Like when we're talking about racial equity, again, that's something I keep reminding myself in my research that we need to hear those voices and then figure out what maybe we can do to help as an ally based on their own experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Okay, and then I always like to leave people with, like, things they can actually do about the topic. Um, I don't want it to just be, like, here's all this information about ways that we're failing and then it's like okay good to know thanks you know I want people to leave feeling like okay I could actually do something about this so I want to ask you like no matter where people are at in their lives like whether they're teachers or not um what can they do kind of knowing what you shared with us today and also I I think it'd be cool if you could specifically talk to like parents maybe because I think a lot of people who are listening are parents Um, And so whether their kid is a racial minority or a gender minority or not, how can they, like, help to empower, whether it's their kids or other kids in their schools or whatever is, like, to, you know, pursue these fields where we don't see a lot of minorities 
what do you think parents could do or just anybody you know I want it to apply to anybody but I thought it'd be kind of cool if you could maybe specifically speak into the parents whether that's parents of like homeschooled kids or public school kids or private school kids or whatever it is I think the first thing, and I've said this word multiple times, but the representation just matters. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're looking at just kind of giving your child a diverse perspective of a lot of things, again, if they're a little bit older, those movies like Moneyball or... um, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures, thank you, (laughs) are really good representations of showing, again, we don't have an Einstein as a scientist, and that Mm -hmm. there's some really cool jobs in STEM. Mm -hmm. I know in my master's program it was more geared towards probably junior high age but I did some classes on integrated STEM so it's for kids learning about like really all of those in one Um, and it's possible some schools have programs classes projects like that Mm -hmm. but they do a lot of hands-on building so you're using kind of that math and science and engineering with something that incorporates all of them that can really engage kids and I'm sure a lot of that could be a summer project even you do at home that you google kind of integrated STEM or STEM projects and Mm -hmm. they can just learn that it can all be included in one and that it can be fun. As a math teacher, kids a lot of times don't love my class. Mm -hmm. So this is one thing. And sometimes there's certain things we have to cover that I don't love. Um, But just showing that there can be a lot of fun in that and showing students that or kids that a lot of different people and different jobs are available to them. Because so many times in that activity I talked about at the beginning, kids just didn't know. Like, To them, a scientist is mixing chemicals. Like, really, I think they think of chemistry primarily. And engineering, they just think of somebody building a bridge. So they just don't know. And if we don't know, it makes sense why they're not interested in that. So I think the representation and just showing them different STEM careers and different people in them can help intrigue them. And I think starting that at a young age um, can make it more interesting for kids. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of in Mean Girls when she joins the math league. <laughs> <laughs> that one does not sound as fun, I will say. No. But no, I mean, I get what you're saying, though, of just, like, I think especially for parents of young kids that are listening, like, before they even get to the point of, like, I hate math. Math is so hard. I can't do it. I know you said you hear that from female students all the time. Like, I just am not good at this. Like, um, and it's like, well... Is that really true? Like, is there something in your biology that makes you not good at this? Because I don't think that's what it is. It's, like, what they've learned socially over time. And so if you can, like, help to intercede before that starts of, like, let's make math something that you actually like or let's make science something that you think is really cool rather than it's just your least favorite school subject and you can't wait to, like, be done with that so you can, like, do a female-dominated career or whatever, you know. I I think that's a really cool concept. And it's not just kids who say they generally don't like my class. It's hard by high school because you're kind of like, yes, I can make you more interested in it, but you are a little bit more set in what you're interested in. But whenever I have parent-teacher conferences, I I tell you it's like more than 50% of the time the parent says, well, I wasn't good at math, so it makes sense that they struggle. (laughs) So if you're a parent who says that, please stop (laughs) because I think that that – I'm sure there are studies out there about if parents continually talk about how bad they were at math, that it makes sense why then kids think they have to be bad at math. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just would be a continued cycle. So if your parent who does that, that would be my other piece of advice. Avoid that at all costs. Even Mm -hmm. if you strongly dislike it, uh, try to encourage your child as as much as you can because you never know. I mean, somebody may 
change their decision later in life and we want to keep that open for kids so Mm -hmm. yeah totally and and then I also wanted to hit on what you said about representation matters because that's so true whether we're talking about STEM or education or anything like just having people that seeing people that look like you do what you want to do like whether you're a female or a person of color or whatever that is like that's been proven time and time again how important that is and obviously in the school is like one really cool place where we have the opportunity to mirror that to kids of like yeah here's someone who's great at math and is a female or here's someone who is a writer and they're you know they're black or whatever it is and that's great that we have that opportunity but like also parents have that opportunity at home too like even if you know you're you and your partner are both white or whatever it is like you can buy books that show like oh here's a book about a female president or here's a book about like all these cool like we have books about um like black heroes even though my kids are white but like I want them to see that like oh yeah no matter what you look like you like you can do this kind of thing and yeah so I think that's really important for parents to keep in mind too all right what if you had to pick one what is the main message you want people to walk away with today my main message would be that I think it's important for everyone to surround themselves with just different people and again my focus being on racial diversity and again that focus more specifically even on STEM teachers being a racially diverse group and how that benefits all students but for those who are not in STEM and not in teaching I just think there are benefits for everyone in your business and your personal life to surround yourselves with different people different thoughts Um, And ultimately, that that makes you a better person, I believe, in the end. Mm -hmm. Yes, and smarter, more well-rounded, more lucrative, all the things. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay, um, now my fun questions, which I know you are... You're probably, like, one of my biggest podcast supporters. Like, I feel like you hear every episode. I'll be like, did you hear that interview? And you're like, yeah, I did. Um, So you've heard me ask people these questions all the time, and now you get to answer them. So if you had to pick, what's the most impactful book that you've read? Okay, so, and we were just talking about this. I came here for vacation and brought, like, four books, which with (laughs) two kids around here, that was not realistic. I don't know what I was thinking with bringing four books. But that means it is very hard for me to pick just one. Uh So since my interest is on racial equality, I actually have four books, but two of them, I would say if you are interested in this conversation and interested in racial equality or just what's going on, two of them I'd say are a little more introductory. So, and I, they've actually been, or one has been mentioned on this podcast, but The Hate You Give as a book and also a movie very Mm -hmm. good perspective of just again the experience of a kid in high school Mm -hmm. Um, and then uncomfortable conversations with a black man which Mm. also has uh, episodes on youtube Um, so again if you're not a reader you could also kind of get an idea but those are really introductory especially uncomfortable conversations with a black man on i'd say microaggressions stereotypes things you've maybe even thought and felt guilty about and you don't want to ask somebody, you don't even have to. You can just read his book. So if you're kind of in the beginning of it, those are two really good books. Um, And if you are... That one's a manual... Ancho? Ancho? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. He just came out with a kid's book. So I guess when we're talking about parents, I've not read that one yet and I don't know what age it's for. Yeah, yeah. But that would be something else. I'd be curious if anyone reads to let us know how that one is. All right, cool. Um, And then the ones that, again, would relate probably a little more to my research and are a little bit more in depth, but again, can be, are very readable, would be How to Be Mm Anti-Racist, 
and then white fragility. Mm-hmm. Those are a little bit where you read a chapter and you really just have to reflect on yourself. Um, and they can be hard, especially white fragility on some of the white privilege that we have and things that I didn't realize that I have this sort of privilege that I just, again, need to reflect on and think about with my everyday choices. So mm-hmm. those would be a little bit heavier, not mm-hmm. quite a light read, but yeah, I couldn't come up with one. So those are, <laughs> those are my four books. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, now what about something that people should listen to or watch? Do you have a recommendation for us? So I have a podcast uh, mini series, I guess is what you would call it. It's called Nice White Parents. So it's about a school in just outside of New York. I can't remember if it was the Bronx or what area of it, but it was a primarily Latino and African-American school. And then it's about these white parents who usually go to these other main school. They get to pick schools out there. I guess it's like a lottery. So they end up going to this school that was predominantly minority students and basically take over. It's like microaggressions perfectly because there's a lot of good intention like they think they may are making the school better but they end up ultimately not listening to the other voices of like the PTO so there's actual this is a real story there's so there's interviews and they're recording PTO meetings and they just don't take in those diverse voices and just think they know what is best so again that's something I continue to reflect on is Mm -hmm that idea of listening mm-hmm. to other people first and then kind of maybe in that case sharing their ideas and coming up with a compromise instead of dominating the school and ultimately it kind of causes as a disaster but it's a really really interesting podcast oh, yeah and you said that one's like actually real people it's not like a drama no yeah it's real people that they were it was a reporter doing it and then he just records so they all know he's there and he like interviews people as they go Uh but yeah it almost seems like it would be something that's a documentary filmed Uh but in podcast form hmm interesting okay very cool and then what about a brand or a product you're loving lately so with again following your uh podcast yeah regularly i would say (laughs) no tox life Mm -hmm. has been one of my more recent purchases that Mm -hmm. I really like the soap, shampoo, and conditioner. And it was a kind of a transition of not having those plastic, but also the good ingredients in there for, um, but yeah, I've actually really, I wasn't sure what I would think about it, but no tox life, shampoo, conditioner are good. I know you got it for your dad too. What did he think of it? He was a fan as well. Yeah? Okay, cool. So for all ages and genders. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, very cool. All right, now I know um, you're not necessarily like uh, a fellow podcaster or social media influencer or anything like that, but if people do have questions for you, maybe they want to know more about your research or read it once it gets published, Mm. (laughs) how can they contact you? Um, my Instagram <laughs> is kate.sebring.neely, which we can put that info in there. Yeah. But honestly, that's just my personal Instagram. I don't, again, I'm not a podcaster, not a um, social media person with my research. But I would say on there, that would probably be the easiest ways you could message me if you are interested in like any other resources or, again, if... Maybe a year from now, something actually gets published, which would yeah. be awesome. Um, but that's, yeah, I, that would probably be the main place to reach me. Yeah, cool. Now, how much longer do you have? I know people ask you this all the time, but in case people are wondering, how much longer do you have with your research until you are officially a doctor? So I collected research in the winter, spring, and now it's kind of writing it all up, um, analyzing the research, which I've done a good amount of that 
so far but the writing being a math person that's not necessarily the strength I love the collecting <laughs> of research and talking to the people interacting um, mm-hmm. with the college students but this part I think will be the struggle but luckily I'm a teacher with my summer off mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the main plan but yeah it's been the dissertation process is probably about a year and a half ultimately is what it'll be um, and the doctorate about five years so mm-hmm. it's been a journey yes it has been but almost there home stretch yes, yes you're winding down to the end all right awesome well kate thanks so much for taking the time to share your research with us and just with what you're doing i mean i feel like this is i heard someone else describe this once of like there's a lot of people out there talking about like anti-racism education and doing this or that and like all the things we should do and while that's great to have like activists like we also need the people that are kind of doing the like quote-unquote boring stuff like we need people like you that are doing the stuff behind the scenes like the research to actually figure out what steps we should take so you probably don't hear this enough but thank you for being one of those people who is doing the boring work and getting the research for us because we do need that like just as much as we need people using their voices we need people doing the behind the scenes stuff too and being the real like the real instigators of institutional change i think so thanks for doing that and thanks for coming on to share with us about it because it was super fun to have you thanks i'm glad we finally got to do it since we've been talking about it for a long time yes it was years in the making so it was a pleasure Once again, we can see all the ways in which diversity truly makes us better. This has been a really cool theme to be talking about on the show the past few weeks. It's one that's so important to learn in our ever-evolving world and to commit to continue learning about. Like I told Kate, I'm so thankful for the people like her who are putting in the time, literally years in this case, to do the studies that we need to make this world a better place. I also love that she had recommendations for all of us to achieve more diverse representations of scientists and mathematicians in our lives and our kids' lives, even if it's as simple as watching hidden figures with them. It does not have to be that complicated. I hope you enjoyed learning from Kate as much as I did, and if you did, please make sure to show us some love by leaving a review for the show and telling your friends about it, text your friends who you think would like this show, or post online that you listened today. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the show too. Subscribing is easy and free. You simply click the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on, and that way you'll know whenever a new episode is out. There will be a brand new episode next week all about essential oils, and I'm so, so excited to share it with you. You can view the links to everything that Kate and I referenced today in the show notes on whatever app you're currently using to listen or on my website, heartfelthippy.com. That's also where you can find the links to connect with Kate and I and to check out Mighty Nest for some fun, eco-friendly products. Until next time, friends, commit to learning from people who are different than you. Remember that diversity makes us all better and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.